Welcome to the AMBOSS International Podcast, Beyond the Textbook. Today, I'm joined by AMBOSS physicians and partnership managers, Dr. Kara Fox and Dr. Kim Kotte. And I'm your host, Dr. Tanner Schrank. Healthcare systems can differ greatly from country to country. International students and expats know this better than anyone. Today, three AMBOSS physicians from the U.S., Australia, and Germany discuss these differences from medical school to the hospital. Australia's system, in particular, is ranked as one of the highest performing and best prepared healthcare systems. Find out what features set it apart and what could still be improved in this episode. Kara and Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is excellent to have you here. Thanks so much for the invite. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, great to be on. Definitely. So, Kara, you studied medicine in Australia and practice there before working with AMBOSS. Could you fill in our listeners a little bit on who you are? So I am from Australia and I studied medicine as an undergraduate student at Monash University. After I finished medicine, I worked for a few years clinically. Then I saw a job ad for AMBOSS, which involved moving over to Berlin and working as a partnership manager for AMBOSS, which I did for a year in Berlin. Mm -hmm. Then the pandemic happened. I ended up back in Australia. I've started some further study in a PhD in health economics. And at the moment, I'm predominantly doing some clinical work again. Excellent. Thank you. Kim, you studied medicine in Germany. Yep. And now you live in Australia. Yeah, I guess, as you already said, I'm from Germany, studied medicine in Düsseldorf in Germany. And after graduating, I worked in a metropolitan hospital in Düsseldorf as a surgical registrar in orthopedic surgery for two years. And yeah, during that time, I never really thought that I would actually end up working for Emboss. I loved the product. I studied with Emboss for my final exams in Germany. And I also used Emboss quite a lot when I was working as a resident in the hospital and was like super fascinated by the product and also by the company's growth. Mm -hmm. And then um, as my partner is from Australia and we had three annoying years of a long distance relationship, <laughs> I then decided that I would relocate to Australia. And that was pretty much the perfect time to then try to get a job at Emboss. And by the time I didn't even know that they would really need someone on the ground here to actually bring that product to Australian students. So yeah, I was super stoked when that position was actually there and I could do that. Wow. That really lined up very well. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> and we really, really needed her. Yeah. <laughs> I always think it's really interesting talking with medical students in Germany because AMBOSS is so huge there. You know, it's different from how I experienced it there. It's like every medical student knows about it. Yeah. So I think when I was in third year, actually, AMBOSS came out. So in a, in a six year course. And at that time, it was still very slow. Like people were a bit hmm, not sure if I should use this new resource. Who are these guys? Mm -hmm. And then uh, when it got to my final exam, started panicking. And by that time, it was literally our cohort where everyone dropped the former resources and said, okay, no, we mm -hmm. all just do Emboss because the year before some of them did it and they all had really great grades in the end. So yeah, I just did what everyone did and, and relied on Emboss. <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of the year where this changed. And then I think pretty much, yeah, the years after me, yeah, it's definitely every medical student really relying on it. Yeah. Such an interesting perspective, I think. So you both have experience in Australia and Germany, and you both work in the healthcare field. 
but there's some major differences between them. So where I'm from, the U.S., medical school is four years and you have to have a bachelor's degree before you start. But in Australia and Europe, it's not always the case, right? Yeah. In Australia, it's a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. So it varies university to university. Some are undergraduate, uh, like the one that I did, and those range from five to six years. Okay. And then there's also postgrad courses where you need at least a bachelor's degree before you do it. And they vary. Some you can have any bachelor's degree, some you need a pre-med type program, mm -hmm. and those are generally four years. Mm -hmm. A little bit more postgrad than undergrad, but a mixture. Yeah. Interesting. So you have options. Yeah. And then in Germany, it's mostly six years, right? Yeah. So in Germany, it's yeah. usually the six-year undergrad course. Yeah. Although I think it does not differ too much from actually maybe doing a pre-med course and then your four-year medicine course, because the six-year mm -hmm. course is pretty much structured in that way as well, that we have the first two years with really intense basic science studies. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you go into your more clinically focused studies. Okay. You can start any of this right out of high school. So do you have any thoughts on starting medicine so young compared to the U.S. where you can't start med school as a teenager? I think in Germany, you don't really start as a teenager as well because we do go to school a little bit longer. So we have actually 13 years of school. Ah. That means you finish school with 18 and actually start university with 18 or 19, depending on when your birthday is. Yeah. So I started with 18, which was fine because I was allowed to take over the lease and drink a beer in a bar and go to clubs <laughs> with my peers. Yeah. Yeah, let's face it, you're still very, very young. <laughs> yeah, just the maturity level is lower because you're younger. Yeah. Is that what it's like in Australia too? I think it's a bit of a mixture. Like, I think there are definitely some people who start med school, they're 17, and that's crazy young. Yeah. For me, it was a little bit funny. So I had a gap year where I traveled before I started, and I actually did an extra research year and took a year off in the middle of my course. And my university was one that had both postgrad and undergrad students. So I mm -hmm. ended up mixing with a lot of the postgrad students because by the time I finished, I was their age. Mm-hmm. And so that maturity difference wasn't really there. Okay. That's really interesting difference there. What other differences do you think there are between the med school system between Australia, Europe, and the US? I think one of the big differences I noticed with Australia is when you finish medicine, what you do. Mm -hmm. Unlike a lot of other places, so when you finish and you're an intern, so it's your first year as a doctor, you rotate around different specialty areas. And pretty much everyone does that for a number of years after graduating, rotates through different departments. Right. And then it's our specialty training that becomes another hurdle to go through and, and can be mm -hmm. quite difficult. But you're often not actually entering specialty training until a number of years post-graduation. Okay. Yeah. That is definitely very different in Germany based on the fact that we do have so many specialty training positions available. It is a lot easier to actually enter a specialty. Right. In Germany, you pretty much have your intern year where you rotate through different specialties. But then after that, if you already know what you're doing or what you want to do, then you can apply for a position in that specialty. And then it is pretty much up to you. You can work for six years in the specialty and tick all the boxes, meet all the requirements. And if you do that, then you can just sit the specialty exam. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Another difference, I think, is the exam structure. In the U.S., there's the U.S. medical licensing exams, the U.S. MLEs, also called step one, step two, step three. Do you have a different version of them? I'll let Kim go first because it's simpler. 
Yeah, it's it might be simpler because surprisingly, this is the same all over in Germany, which is not often the case with educational requirements. <laughs> yeah, we do have three exams as well, so kind of comparable to the steps in the US. The first exam is called the Physicum, which is the exam that you sit after your first two years, where you have heavy basic sciences, so to say, mm -hmm. and that is an exam that is pretty scary for a lot of the medical students. Yeah. And then the um, second exam that you need to sit, the first one's called the MD1 and the second one is the MD2, which you do sit after five years. So before you go into your practical year, which is your sixth year in Germany, mm -hmm. where you also do have four different rotations. And after that, you have to sit your M3, which is your practical exam. Okay. And yeah, those are our three medical exams. Wow. That's so surprising that it's almost the same across very different countries. And then turning to Australia... There are the Australian Medical Council exams, but they're actually only for internationally trained doctors who would like to practice in Australia. Mm -hmm. But each university has slightly different modes of assessment. Oh. Some will have more multiple choice exams and those sort of things. Pretty much all of them will have OSCEs. Okay. There's a lot of similarities, though, and at the end we're deemed to be all of about the same level, and that's the level that the Australian Medical Council exams test for. Okay. It's different from school to school. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Well, I think when it comes to medical school and differences, one thing that, yeah, finance. Yes. <laughs> the financial factor. It's huge. Yeah, and that in Germany, I have to say, thankfully, is very, very different. Studying in Germany itself is actually for free for Germans. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that at least allows people to study medicine without the fear factor of creating massive debt for yourself. Yeah. On the same time, I think German doctors would not earn that much. So it's kind of a trade-off there. Yeah. It's similar in Poland, which is where I studied medicine, but as an international student. So I did have to pay, but it was nowhere near what it costs in the US. Yeah. Australia kind of sits in the middle. We have some Commonwealth supported places where basically you have a interest-free loan from the government mm -hmm. to pay for your studies. We do have, of course, international students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the interest-free loan system sounds very, very nice. I think the U.S. should definitely start doing that. <laughs> so the Commonwealth Fund, which was designed to improve healthcare systems, compared the performance of 11 high-income countries' healthcare systems. In 2021, they found that, quote, the top-performing countries overall are Norway, the Netherlands, and Australia. The United States ranks last overall, despite spending far more of its gross domestic product on healthcare, end quote. Now, they attributed this to four features, universal coverage, primary care systems covering equitably, reducing administrative burdens, and investing in social services. In your experiences in Australia, have you noticed these features? And what do you think could be improved in the Australian healthcare system? Definitely. I mean, compared to the US, I can see a lot of these features. Yeah. I mean, universal healthcare is just something I can't imagine not having. Yeah. And the way it works in Australia is a mixed model. So there's a combination of public healthcare and private healthcare as well. Okay. But if I was really sick, if I was, say, needing ICU level care in Australia, I would want to be in a public hospital. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So then what about covering all communities and all people? I mean, I don't think we do that. I don't think we do that well enough. Okay. Yeah. I think Australia probably does it better than a lot of places. 
more could be done, um, particularly in primary healthcare, having rural populations and minority populations not having the same access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. That's a way that it could be improved then. Yeah, definitely. And then have you noticed reducing administrative burdens? I guess it's hard to judge a reduction if you didn't know what the U.S. is like. But do you run into a lot of red tape? Yes, I would say, yeah, that one would surprise me about Australia. I think Australia is pretty into having rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, coming from Germany, I thought it can't be worse. Yeah. But Australia yeah. <laughs> is definitely helping with that. Wow, that's surprising. In terms of social services and things, again, I can see areas that we should improve that. But mm-hmm. if you were to compare to somewhere like the US, we're just miles ahead. Yeah. I think that's so cool to hear from someone who's actually been through it, not just reading this report, you know. And then talking about rules, let's talk about the lockdown. So Australia was ranked among the highest prepared countries for epidemics. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, Australia and New Zealand kind of took a unique approach, I think. They had very strict lockdown measures nationally and locally. How has this affected you? I think the big advantage that both countries, Australia and New Zealand, definitely had was being an island. Yeah, They had this warning period and they could really take advantage of that and just be very strict early on and lock the entire country down early on, which is something that, of course, Europe was never able to do, not even interstate-wise. And then, yeah, I think at the start of the pandemic, there was a very, very low tolerance for any COVID cases. And Mm -hmm. We're really, really long and extensive lockdowns. That was definitely a big burden for everyone. Right. And they they were kind of waiting for the vaccine to finally arrive in Australia. And in the beginning, they Mm -hmm. only had one contract with AstraZeneca until Pfizer arrived. And then I think by the end of 2021, they were really pushing hard for um, vaccine rates to go up. Right. So that was kind of the way it worked. But yeah, the lockdowns were really quite tough. I personally got stuck in the so-called border bubble, which meant that I'm living on the northern border of New South Wales. So I'm 10 minutes away from the border to Queensland. And Mm -hmm. the border bubble was there to protect both states. And that meant that I could not cross into Queensland. And that really meant that I was stuck in this bubble for a long time. And basically all my friends live outside of this bubble. Yeah. (laughs) People really live on the Queensland side. So that was actually, Mm -hmm. yeah, very isolating for a long time. Wow. Couldn't even cross state lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty strict, I'd say. Yeah, it was really strict. Yeah, there were some really good things about our approach, but also really challenging. Yeah. It seemed to have worked to some degree. It seemed to have worked. Yeah, right. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's good, at least. So what what sorts of things have you noticed as an expat living abroad? Looking at the healthcare system, I mean, we already Mm -hmm. talked about a few differences. Yeah, what I noticed as well is GPs actually do so much more over here than in Germany. Hmm. If you get a skin check, you don't go to a dermatologist, you go to your GP, for example. Okay. So these things are very different. That was something that I was very surprised about. I had an idea that it is that way, but not to that degree, I would say. Hmm. Wow. But that's interesting that they can even do those tests and procedures because I would think that they would see you first, qualify you for it, and then send you to someone to do it. But they just cut through all that and just take care of it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And actually really procedures as well. Interesting. I have one last question. If you could give our listeners any advice beyond the textbook, what would you say? 
yeah, make sure you don't neglect your social life as well. The friendships that you yeah. make in medical school are incredible. And my three best friends are from medical school. And those are still, even though they are far away right now, the closest persons mm -hmm. to me. And you will need these people to support you. If you have difficulties, it's important to have those people around you. So keep them close. Excellent advice. Yeah, for me, it would be trying to maintain some balance in your life. Medicine can be so all-encompassing, but having other hobbies or spending time with non-medical people mm -hmm. can really give some greater perspective. And, and I think we really underestimate sometimes how that can really help with your practice, whether you know, you've know you got a hobby and then that means you can connect with some patients or talking to non-medical friends can sometimes really yeah. bring some perspective of some of the crazy things yep. in healthcare. Yeah, definitely getting a new perspective. Yeah, that balance for perspective and it can go both ways. I think that's a really good tip. Thank you for that. Kara and Kim, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge and experiences. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. And thank you for listening to this episode of the AMBOSS International Podcast. In today's episode, we discussed different healthcare systems as well as studying and working in Australia and Europe compared to the United States. To read more about these topics, please check out the links in the description. We even have a page specifically set up to read about studying preclinical medicine in Australia. If you have any specific topics that you would like to hear us cover or questions that you would like to ask, please get in touch at int.podcast at amboss.com. And don't forget, you can check out the Amboss platform for your medical studies and sign up for a free five-day trial at amboss.com. All information about our Amboss podcast and the Amboss platform can be found at go.amboss.com slash international podcast.